Welcome to the Journal Talk Podcast with Nathan Oren. Each episode, we bring you tips and tools for living with passion, clarity, and purpose. Nathan is a skilled workshop facilitator, business coach, public speaker, and co-author of the international best-selling book, The Soul of Success. Now, here's our host of Journal Talk, Nathan Oren. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Journal Talk. My name is Nathan Oren and I'm here with Janet Wizawadi. Hi, Wizzy. Hi, Nathan. Great to be back. <laughs> Good to have you back again. This time for something a little unusual. What did Monty Python used to say? And now for something completely different. <laughs> hey, I, I'm good with that. Okay. Uh, why uh, not? They they uh, call me Janet from another planet at work. So hey. <laughs> well, you've got lots of names, <laughs> don't you? Um, I do. <laughs> this one is definitely a little different. Maybe not quite from another planet, although there are pieces of it where you might wonder. I've got a very interesting story I'd like to share. We're in the th- second part of a three-part series on fantasy journaling. And last time uh, when I uh, brought up this topic, I really shared some of my own fantasy journaling styles. And and I broke open my journal from years and years and years back and just talked about the whole concept of journal writing, private storytelling about fantasy, and what that can do, how that can be a release, and how it can uh, provide some hope, some inspiration, provide a roadmap. And I've got this example that I'd like to share. And I wanted Janet to be here because it's hard for me to tell the story without really telling the story to someone because I kind of need the the reaction. So Janet, feel free to ask any questions. I don't have all the details, but let me just introduce you. Janet, I want you to meet Jane Doe, okay? I'm keeping this person's name concealed because this is a real person with a real story with a re- everything that you hear is a true to life situation. I may not have all the details completely accurate, but it is as far as my memory and my notes serve and she has given me 100% permission uh to do what I'm doing here as long as I keep her name out of it and you'll see. Brace yourself. <laughs> this is, this is an interesting story. I'm excited. Like, it's like story time. It is. It is story time. So, I was leading a workshop, just a typical everyday regular. It was a um, Center for Journal Therapy, you know, Journal to the Self workshop, as a matter of fact. And this was a couple years back. Uh, I met this woman, I'll call her Jane, and she attended my workshop. And one of the things that we do in the workshop in the first session, introduce each other. Have you done any journal writing? And she said, yes, she has done some journal writing. And she was very kind, very interested, very intrigued, but also kind of quiet, a little shy, sort of in the back of the, the session. But she said that she, it was what caught my attention was, and I think you'd appreciate this too, Janet, because you've talked to me about the burning of the journal writing. She used to write in pencil a nice long letter every Sunday. This was her ritual. She'd go away from the house, sit down outside here in California. You can sit outside for most of the year and write out a nice little letter in pencil, and she would burn it immediately afterwards. And that's all she shared with the group at that time. And I thought, wow, that's an interesting 
that's your journal writing? Like, really? You burn it every single time? I couldn't imagine burning all my journals because there's so much information and I go back to them. And But, you know, we don't judge and we don't, you know, this is just maybe that's why she's here at this journal writing course. You know, let's let's talk about some other things. So, she went on to tell me that later on, after the class was all over, she and I, uh, and after the series of classes was all over, she and I met up for coffee to talk a little bit more. And she shared with me how she was having dreams, how this all started. She told me how this ritual of hers got started. She was having dreams of her past boyfriend, way back her sweetheart from high school. And, you know, I told her right away, you know, I love talking about dreams. I have a dream journaling workshop, you know, and she knew all of this. And she said, yeah, this is very intriguing because she had these very strange dreams and the dreams would be discussions with this high school sweetheart and plans of possibly getting married. She was sad that they had never really stayed in touch and she was just moved by how deep these dreams were. And one in particular, he came to find her and he was searching. It's like he was searching and looking for her. And it was a a little, uh, what do you call those kinds of dreams that when you wake up, you're not sure if they were real or not? You know, like, did that really happen? Lucid dreams. Mm -hmm. So, um, these letters that she writes... They are stream of consciousness format, they're present tense, they're letters to this guy, and I forgot his name, maybe we should call him John for John Doe, and she had not seen this person, she had not thought about this person very much over the past 30 years, and, you know, maybe she was getting present to some hope that was coming alive and and maybe reconnecting with this person. Now, they were going to get married, it turns out. She told me that later that they were going to get married, but as the relationship started to get more serious, he pulled away, he backed out, and went took a different turn. I think he went to a college that was off on the other side of the country, and he ended up getting married to somebody else, and so did she. So, Jane and John now have, uh, you know, they're in a marriage completely separate marriage and and life has moved on but she's having these dreams she's writing these letters to this person who she doesn't know if she should reach out to or not she doesn't know is this really happening is he really trying to find me and it gets a little spookier when she goes to visit a spiritually gifted friend uh this is somebody who has like a what do you call these people like a almost like a medium who can kind yeah. of spiritually connect with people. And I, I told her, I don't know if I believe that stuff necessarily. It would be interesting if somebody like that got a lot of information correct, but I don't usually place my bets on that. <laughs> you can get some very interesting information. I've been to ones that my dad comes through and he always sends my mom flowers. Wow. Mm-hmm. So anyway... I'm an open-minded skeptic uh, with things like that. Uh, (laughs) But this friend of hers, who actually was an interesting friend that knew of them, who knew both John and Jane from years past. So this was a mutual friend, but she didn't have any contact with John either. But 
based on these dreams and the material from the dreams, the friend was picking up that, yes, this is true. In fact, there is some connection between you two. There is something going on, and you two should probably find a way to get to meet each other and pursue this. And they both started doing some investigation. They didn't want to do anything that was overt, uh, especially since, you know, they're both married. But she did look him up on Facebook and start to, you know, I would call it, you know, electronically stalking or following (laughs) Mm -hmm. to try to figure things out, private investigation kind of stuff. And the creepy thing is that John got married to this other woman who looks exactly like Jane. And when she showed, when Jane, my friend from the journal writing course, showed me these pictures of the wife next to pictures of herself, it was uncanny. Like they had chosen the same hairstyle, they had the same hair color, the same eye color, the same frame, you know, body shape. It was spooky that this guy had gone off and married this other woman. And there was this other woman that looks just like Jane. And they're in a school together. They help run a school, a private school. I think he's the principal or something of a school. And from all the pictures that we see, none of them are the two of them together. They're always apart. Like they're not touchy. They're not, they never embrace. They're never smiling in the same picture together. And she interpreted this to mean that he's not happy in his relationship. So what do you think so far? What's going on? Well, there's lots of things that could be happening, but I really think that what she should do is just connect and say, Hey, I'm just connecting with people I went to school with. How are you doing? Mm Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is if they're both in the public eye, John and uh, his wife, they're both in, a, like you say, a school in that they may not want to put more personal pictures up. Mm-hmm. So there's a reason why that they're not doing that, yeah. probably. Yeah. All of this was very interesting to me, and I found it to be, like, I felt my friend Jane was really looking to me to give permission to do something like you're saying, like, you know, she wanted some permission to say, you know, she never came out and asked me, what do you think I should do, Nathan? But it was clear that there was still like, there's an obvious next step, you know, like, Mm -hmm. okay, so this is interesting. Why are you just writing these letters? And I did say, what do you get from writing these letters to him and then burning them? And she said, well, I think maybe you need to understand a little bit more about my personal situation. And this is where it got even more bizarre, but inspiring at the same time. Um, Her real life situation. So she's got, I forget if it's, I think it's three kids. It might be four, all boys. And one of the uh, youngest kids is a special needs child. I think he either has autism or one of the special needs where you just really got to monitor and keep very close, you know, personal watch. And she is pretty much their sole caregiver because the husband, Jane's current husband, has a very busy, very erratic schedule. The kids are all into sports, you know, football and basketball and baseball and scouts she herself tries to keep her own personal, you know, 
livelihood going. She does not have a job. She has always felt that it was her role to take care of the family and and support from the home, because especially with the special needs child, she's, you know, they got married, they started having kids, and she's just always been in that role to provide from the home. And she did a little scrapbooking business or something like that. But the husband has been pretty much absent this whole time. So he has been off doing other things. He had businesses to run. He was in recovery for a while. I don't know if that was uh, drugs or alcohol or what had happened, but there was a, a very critical time where he fell apart and kind of hit rock bottom and had suffered a very long you know, time in uh, what's the program um, when you check yourself in? A rehab? A rehab, yeah, or hospitalization or something. And he had several related illnesses uh, related to alcohol diseases. And he was not able to fully engage with the family as much as uh, he might have normally wanted to. And there was all kinds of emotions and upheaval during this time. So what I'm trying to say is she's been in a very tumultuous home life where the father wanting to be there but not, plus who knows what kind of interplay dynamics and emotions are going on, he has really been on the sidelines of the family of the family. And she does not want to, I think she feels a little bit trapped and feeling like she can't really escape this situation and to make any overt signal to, to, you know, a high school sweetheart would maybe anger or upset. What do you call uh, overturn the apple cart at the home situation? And she's just feeling kind of captive to all of that. Well, I tell you, that my perception on all this is that write a book, lady. <laughs> like, really? Like, you know, they've got all kinds of books, like a shopaholic books, like so on. Why not write a book about the whole thing? I think and she wants to. The thing is about writing fiction is she can intersperse it with real and with unreal. And who's going to know the difference? Right. Yes. Good point. And this way, it helps her release it and to acknowledge it because there's nothing worse. It's, I just watched a show recently where you've got all these feelings up, but it's like beach balls, right? If you try and lay on them in the water, eventually it'll pop up. Like, get, remember, we talk about journaling to release things. Yes. Like, write a, like, She's got an awesome book. It'll probably be a bestseller. I know. I think she realizes that, and she's just afraid to do anything about it right now. I think that she... Change her name, and, and nobody has to know that it's it's her fantasy. It's a book. Authors and fantasy writers, their minds go that way. Yeah, That's yeah. why people read them. Well, like I said, I've tried to have her on the program. <laughs> I've tried to have her... Because here's the questions I would want to ask her, right? Like... Uh-huh. What are you doing with this story? Like, why sit on it? Like you're saying, this is a great story to get out for yourself, but also, you know, there's an intrigue, there's an interest here. But most importantly for her, you know, and, and we've met for coffee, breakfast, lunch, a couple of different times over the past couple of years. And I've always asked her, like, so what are you really wanting to, how would you move forward from this? How can, why is it that you keep writing these pencil-written notes and burning them up when I think 
and I'm, you know, again, I'm trying not to judge. I'm trying not to, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. just being Nathan, you know, like it seems to me like a little plan of how to move yourself either out of this captivity or into a different situation. And she keeps saying, yes, 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 I'm working on that. It's a very delicate thing. I can't leave because I don't, I'm not employable right now. I have no work experience. You know, she's in her maybe mid fifties and her oldest son, I think is uh, 22, 23 years old. So he's just now getting started on his own. They all know about the dad. And in fact, there's lots of other secrets that she has divulged about, you know, the dad being in a um, very unusual relationship with pornography and possibly even that he's gay and that he's been seeing other guys on the side. And I'd say, well, to me, this all sounds like you should get out of the situation. You know, like, why would you feel captive? I think the captivity is more in your mind than anything else. You have rights and you can get divorced and start a life that really means something to you with or without this sweetheart person. You know, you deserve to, to make a, a better life for yourself. And she kept saying that, yeah, but you don't understand the financial situation. I pretty much have no money. She's got a bestseller. <laughs> Write it. <laughs> She'll have lots. <laughs> I tell you, she could have a whole series. I don't you know, know about making of- <laughs> money off of writing. You and I both know that it takes a long time to get established as a... I mean, it could happen overnight. It could Yeah, but you know what? It's fiction. Like you and I, our writing isn't fiction, right? People thrive. They always want fiction because we like to live in that fantasy land, you know, a life that isn't ours. And I think it's perfectly normal in her situation to be that way. If it got to the point, you know, it could be uh, obsessive and stuff. But I think with writing, and we've talked about it before, with writing, you do your releasing. And I... Nobody is not employable. There's always something. And we can be very creative. And uh, yeah, I believe that. And I do think she's definitely creative. She's very intelligent. I think she just feels trapped and she doesn't know how. And there's always this excuse that, you know, the money that they have together, there's money held up in a trust fund because I think he's... He either is a part-time lawyer or one of his companies has a, a very heavy, you know, leaning on some kind of uh, trust. She's not been in control of any of the finances. Her name is not on any of the accounts. She gets worried about, you know, not having enough to live off of if she does make a move. And Well, then maybe it's time to make some changes. Yeah, I agree. And... I love that she's writing. You know, I think that's a huge... So when I put the focus on and I've tried, I said, listen, Jane, you come on the program, talk just about the writing. What does that give you? What does that do for you? Because when she just talks about those letters, oh my goodness, she's having this beautiful conversation. She's updating this guy who's real, but at the same time is not real. Like the guy in real life doesn't know anything about her situation. They've never talked, they've never met since their, you know, teenager years. 
But in her mind, she's got this ongoing relationship. It's almost like, you know, the uh, invisible best friend, you know? <laughs> you're, you're, uh, one of the, your children often have these imaginary friends. It's almost like she's d- developed this imaginary friendship for support to hold on to. And she updates him. And it's in the kind of content it is, is like, oh, so-and-so did this today. My husband did this today. This is what's going on. I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to be with you again. I can't, like, she's got this imaginary romantic longing, you know, going on. And when she talks just about that, I'm so moved. Like, I just, wow, this is so, and I really believe that she needs this to continue to help her make that. Like She'll eventually get to the place where she's making the plan. I just worry that she's going to come out to John, the high school sweetheart, and she's in her mind going to have this wanting to reattach and reconnect with him when he's in real life has no sense of what's gone on, you know? Yeah. Here's a thought, Nathan. You talk about when she talks about her writing – what if, like when you and I talk and you record in that, what if she allowed you to record your conversations and then she can have that portion of when she's talking about the person, it's a character she's developed, right? Uh-huh. Because we don't even know if he's near that character at all. And then have it transcribed. She's got a character. And then if she can do it that powerfully with somebody that she knew how many years ago, I'm sure that she can come up with another character that her imagination sounds amazing. It is. It is. I've tried having, I don't know if I mentioned this already. I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but I've tried having her on this program so many times and we've set up dates to be, to have the interview. And I've promised her, look, we won't talk about X, Y, or Z, or we don't have to mention that your husband might be gay. Or, And she seems on the surface of it totally okay. Like, yes, I want to go through it. She can definitely see the value. She's a listener. She's going to hear this, and, and I'm going to give yeah. it to her before I publish it. So, yeah. you know, make sure it's all okay. But Nothing to do with the show, though, but just to, to have it recorded and then she can have it transcribed. And there's a piece of your book. There's a piece of wherever you want to for an article as opposed to, because then that takes away the fear of, you know, if she's got it written and it's in an article or it's going to be in a book, that can be anonymous. She can have a pen name, whatever. She doesn't have to be. And she doesn't have to put it live on the show. It's just to get it out. Just like you and I are doing. When you and I talk, things come out that we wouldn't necessarily be able to write if we were writing. We may have an idea, but we can develop an idea together and we help bring it out for each other. Just like I'm talking about Jane from a perspective where I don't know her and you're talking from knowing her. We develop a different persona, genre. Or, yeah. Yeah, persona. That's a good point. So it's really good. So I would offer just to interview her for her own personal reasons. I'm not going to do anything mm-hmm. with the recording. I'm just going to hand it back mm-hmm. to her so she has something. Mm-hmm. And then she can mm-hmm. listen to it, transcribe it, and then work with the material to make this story. Yeah, she can start developing it. And then I'm sure that once that is out, and she can go to Fiverr. Fiverr is very cheap. They have transcribers on there and, and yes. stuff. And uh, then I'm almost positive that once she's got that out and down, that another character will come to her. Mm -hmm. 
It's like letting it out, the cat out of the cage type of thing and looking to see where it's going to explore next type of thing. <laughs> that's very good. <laughs> I don't know good. where that came from. Yeah, but. <laughs> no, that's very good. So, Jane, if you're listening to this, and you will be listening, I'll be sending this to you. There's your offer. I would be happy to just interview you. And we can talk about the letters that you burn and what uh, this fantasy relationship and this person who, you know, just, I guess, just to share the story. Because she knows it's all make-believe. It's not like she believes this or any part. She knows. And I think since the last time I talked to her, she was going to reach out in some way. She was going to make some kind of contact, whether send an email or, or do some next step. I'm just fearful. I've come to care a certain degree about, you know, like the family and, you know, she loves her kids so much and she's really had to pay attention and be focused on them and their growing up. And also like she's in a house of what, five guys, you know, uh, that's tough. You know, she has, she doesn't have that uh, female companion connection there in the house. Um, I'm sure she has lots of friends and she's, you know, she's a wonderful friend. She's a great person. So there you go, Jane. There's the offer. I would interview you just to have it and I won't do anything with it. How's that? Well, it's not even so as an interviewer, but as a listener, because sometimes when we have something by listening and then you can say, tell me more, tell me more, and it helps her develop it a little more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure she's done some of that. She has friends. She's told that psychic woman that she has mm-hmm. uh, has stayed with her. She texts d- people different pieces of the story. She follows the guy, John. She follows everything that's going on. Like if he makes it to the next, you know, she finds all these little interesting clues. Like, you know, when they were, you know, engaged, he made a statement about... I'm just going to make up an example, something like, you know, we're going to go kayaking together, you know, and he had Mm -hmm. pictured this whole trip going kayaking together. And then what happened was in the real life, you know, what it is 30 years later, he and his wife went on a kayaking trip. They got a picture and they posted it on the school website. He had written a nice little article about the art of kayaking. And she took this as a sign, like, I had this memory of us doing kayaking, and now he's out there doing kayaking with his wife and publishing it on the school website, and oh my goodness, and there was phrases inside the article that she could remember him saying when they were together, you know, years back. And, you know, this is like, okay, okay. I don't know what to do with, what do you do with this? It's fantasy, but it's helping her deal when cope with her household situation. It's like her outlet. There could be no other way for her to deal with what's going on, you know? Well, and do you know what? It really is amazing because when you talk about, uh, people don't realize how stuck they can be. Like there's always a choice, right? Yeah. And She's got her family and she's very dedicated to her family, but she obviously has this gift of fantasy, of writing, of creating, and it's a fear factor that comes into it. And I don't know whether you ever read the book or saw the series Outlander. Oh, yes. But but the author, I think she was 
and, and I may be wrong. I think she was an oncologist or she worked with cancer research or something. She started writing this just to do it. And it was before the computers are like we are now. And she'd leave it a library and a folder. And I went and listened to her talk one time. And she said she'd just write the story and put it in this folder. People would read it and write notes and then put it back. She had never intended to publish it. And look at all of the books she's got out there now. Mm. And the thing is, is use it. It's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure she knows that she's talented. And I wish she could somehow, you know, amp up the... uh, you know, that energy and funnel it into really helping her situation and not feel so trapped, captured in this, you know, and especially her boys, her boys by now have figured out, you know, something's not quite right with this family dynamic. And especially the money situation's odd. The fact that he's, you know, has this relationship going outside. And I think they have started to pick up on this. She's told me certain stories that make me think they all know, they all know, but nobody's talking about it. And she's not able to you know, take action. And this is to me, Janet, this is what journal writing does for me. It helps me get really clear about where I am, what I need, who I'm being, and how I can unfold this, you know, how I can move through it and what to equip myself with. And, you know, talking about what I'm afraid of and what I need to get through those fears. And I just, I were, I just had an idea. Yeah, just came to me. Because I was listening to a speaker yesterday online, and he talked about your story. And then he talks about your shadow story. So this would be her shadow story. What if, and Jane, if you're listening, what if you rewrote the story as if your life had continued, that you had married him, and that what if you wrote that story? Wow. Yeah. I like that. That's the Joseph Campbell solution, right? You know, work with your myth and your your story and write the ending as the hero's journey. How does this Joseph Campbell? I gotta write that down because I Yes, yeah. Joseph Campbell and the, the, yeah. the hero of a thousand faces. Oh, okay. Oh my goodness. He works a lot with the personal myth. And so she's got part of the myth. She's got the most suspenseful, the most engaging, the most the most incredible story, and she hasn't written the end of it yet. I love that. I love that. Great yeah. advice. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be really cool. What if she wrote that story? She can put the story of the kayaking in. She can put, go back to the memories she has of their time together and their dreams and goals. Create that story. And it's a story, but you know what? It's a releasing story. It's acknowledging that it's there. When we have a shadow story, it's always there running in the background. But what if you bring it to the light? It might create something beautiful. Yeah, I like it. I like it. All right, Jane, there you go. Let us know. And come on the show. Come talk. We'll promise to keep whatever you need private, private. And uh, <laughs> and we'd love to talk to you some more. All right. I don't know how to wrap this up. I guess what's the takeaways here? Stay tuned. There'll be more. There will be more. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe we'll continue with this uh, in future episodes. But I guess just uh, for all the listeners who are, you know, coming to the end of this podcast, I would say 
I think that this is a perfect example of how journal writing can carry you through unbelievably dark times, even if it's dark years of your life, just by keeping focus on some possible potential hopeful future and having this relationship with, um, you know, with yourself. She's really having a relationship with herself. And uh, it, and these characters are really fragments of her mind, and we all do that. That's what the journal is for us. I mean, we're having a relationship with ourselves, and all the external parts are fragments of our own understanding, and celebrate that and get into it, you know, dig deep and have fun with it. I guess that's well, my... And, uh, and it's a gift that, you know, we our journey takes us to different places to prepare us for something else. So yes. when you look at your journey as a gift rather than maybe as something that is challenging in that, but a gift of where you're going to come out the other end, then you can look at life with anticipation instead of why am I doing this? Yeah, yeah, very good. Any other final thoughts, Janet? Thank you for being a the straight woman <laughs> listener. And- <laughs> I want to read her book. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Thanks for being here. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you on another episode. Bye, Nathan. This episode of Journal Talk is copyright and brought to you by Write for Life, a web resource for living with passion, clarity, and purpose through journal writing. Find us online at www.writeforlife.us, spelled W-R-I-T-E, the number four, L-I-F-E dot U-S. Thanks again for listening to Journal Talk. Ta-da.